awesome. If you have your Bibles, grab those. James chapter 5 is where we're going to be. James uh, chapter 5. Uh, we're starting verse 1 this morning uh, as we start to uh, kind of wind down James. This is our 10th week in the book of James. Um, and I don't know about you, but, but it has just me over. Uh, God's Word has just and it's been encouraging, it's been convicting, and everything in uh, between. And so that's, that's where we'll be uh, this morning, James uh, chapter 5. Um, and man, grace. I lost it down there. I had a fit. I mean, I mean, tell that story of the woman at the well, which is every single one of us in this room. I mean, we've all cheated and lied and ran and rebelled and was in that state when God found us and he picks up our head. I, I love that part in the story. All the accusers right there and he just, he picks up her head and, and loves on her no one else would. Sets her free, rescues and redeems her. And, and, and the thing about grace is grace is unmerited favor. Um, and she had done, she'd been caught in the act, so she was guilty as guilty, you know? I mean, sometimes we can kind of wiggle our way out of things and try to, like, sidestep stuff or skirt, skirt the issue. Uh-uh. She, I mean, she slapped right in the act of, and they, and humiliating, throw out in front of everybody. And she deserved, but what she got was unmerited favor. And, man, I just, ah, oh, love that story of redemption and rescue. And oh, I'll preach two sermons this morning if y'all want. I mean... I ain't got nowhere to be, um, but no, 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 well, I'll, I'll get back to here, that's another, another Sunday down the road. Um, so James chapter 5, 4, we finished up last week, and we just, we looked at pride and arrogance, and we just, we talked about that for a bit, and kind of just unpacked it, walked through it a little bit, and just, just finished up uh, chapter 4, and uh, today what we're going to see is James is going to continue kind of addressing what he started with last week, with the thought of pride and arrogance in, in the heart and life of someone, and um, uh, what we're going to see is kind of make itself a little more, a little more uh, made known and kind of manifest in a, in a different way here as, as, we, as we look at what he has to say uh, to these people in uh, this day. And so I just, I'm just going to throw out a warning just right up front, right from the very beginning. Um, if you're visiting with us, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. If you are one of us, thank you uh, for being here. Thank you, everyone. But just uh, this warning is going to be thrown out um, for everyone. And, and I'm, we'll get to that in a second. But, but the warning is this. We're going to talk about money this morning. Oh, dang. I got to, ooh. Okay. One person excited. Um, and so, so it's in the scriptures, so we've got to do something with it, right? I mean, God led us to the book of James, and so in the book of James, he addresses an issue that he sees, and so we're going we're to talk about that this morning. And so I've been here for nine years, going on my ninth year here at New Life, the privilege and honor to, to lead you as the pastor, starting my fifth year. Uh, and this is the first time that I can remember, I know you can kind of, I can fact check some people out here, maybe it's been here longer. Um, I think this is the first time I can remember, really, of, of being a specific sermon around finances and money. Um, I know it kind of gets dropped in here or there, but, but there's never been like a real big push around here that I remember. It never really been a big like, like let's, I just don't remember any of that. Um, but this is one reason why I love teaching through books of the Bible and I also dread teaching through books of the Bible. Because how weird would it be like we get up to James chapter 4 and then all of a sudden we just jump to James 5, 7. What happened to 1, 6? I was... Uh... No, 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 you've got to handle it. You've got to do something with it. And that's what I love about the Word of God because remember in James chapter 1, his whole purpose of writing this to these believers in this day was what? So they, they would be whole and complete, mature, lacking in nothing is what he says over in chapter 1. And so there's an issue that he has to address, which I think is a very prevalent issue in our day, in our world today, that, that needs to be talked about and needs to be discussed. And, and, and here, money's not bad. There's nothing wrong with money. Money has not hurt not one person. Now, people, when they get a hold of it, it's the people and man's heart 
that is the issue, not the money. And so he, he's going to address and he's going to talk about But I just, I wanted to just tell you that so you can kind of prepare your heart and kind of maybe like, like knuckle down a little bit if you need to. Like, like I said, I, I mean, I, I wrestled with it all week and I get convicted and God beat me up and he worked me over. I'm like, man, but I would just, the woman at the well sermon would be a great one this morning. Because ah, Scott, that's not in James five one, and so we're gonna we're gonna just we're gonna go through it, and we're gonna let God's word do what God's word does, and uh, go after the human heart, and start to work us over, and we're gonna look at it pertaining to God's word, and and see what He wants to accomplish, and, and what He wants to do, and so uh, so for me, in my standpoint, I'm not afraid to preach about or talk about money, but I know that there's that stigma that kind of lies out there around it, especially as it pertains to the church. And so I believe it's something that needs to be addressed, needs to be talked out, needs to be looked at. And, and the stigma, I guess, is this, is that, you know, preachers, they'll just stand up there and they just want your money. They'll hammer you about your money. Give us your money, 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 money. And, and my response to that is here at New Life, yeah, kind of, but kind of not, but kinda, maybe, ah, let me try to explain. Because, let, let me just, let me, let me explain. That probably was not a very good lead into this, but um, this is my explanation. First, my prayer is that, your giving would be done out of a generous heart. That, that's what the scripture, that's, that's what honors the Lord. And so it would be your giving or your finances as it pertains to the church or just in general as you live your life and you be and you do, that it would be done out of a, a generous, glad heart as an act of worship. So whether you give $5 a week or $500 a week is irrelevant. It's the motive of the heart in which you give. And so that's that's. That's where I land with it. That's, that's my heart for you. That's, that's, that's my desire for it. And I know throughout history, if you look at the church, I mean, I've heard, I've heard like horror stories about money in church. Like I've heard of the guy went out the wheelbarrow. I'm like, all right, church, we're doing this. Only to have like a new pool being put up next week. And it's, I'm just like, like I've heard, I don't know if it's true or not. I've heard that. And it, but again, is there not that stigma when you talk about money in the church? Is, is there not that stigma or that, that, that hanging out over? And so I just, I, just want you to hear, I just want you to hear our heart here at New Life as it pertains to us as the church here. I think your money can do some pretty cool stuff as it pertains to taking the gospel to the world, taking the gospel to the nations. And so your giving and your generosity is used for the kingdom of God. The more that comes in, the more we can turn around and give away, that we can send out. That's our heart here. We're going to live as a church open-handedly with finances. We're going to invest here some, but we want to invest out there too. We want to send it out. And so just kind of, just to kind of draw your attention to some pretty cool things that God has done through your generosity and your heart and your, your giving has been this. I mean, I mean, look at our children's wing. Look at how it's coming along. Look at what God's done there. Because God's pressed upon people's heart to give. As a result of that, we've been able to do some stuff that we haven't been able to do in the past. Finances are there. We can do that. And so what that does is when people walk in and they see that, and I can't tell you right now how many people picking up their kids with our after-school ministry has looked in there and said, what the heck? And they get out of their car and they'll come and they'll look around and they'll say, what the what? I mean, It's awesome. They'll see that what that does is says this is that New Life's serious about what goes on in this place as it pertains to those kids. We're being intentional. We're investing in an area that matters. And, and so we're going to continue to do that. that. That's what we get to do. That's the motivation here. Uh, the money given doesn't go in someone's pocket. And, and hear me, I have no desire for a jet. 
I don't even like to fly. I can't stand it. So, so, so that, that'll never be the case. It's, it's for ministry. And yes, we have to have, we have a budget and we have to have money to, to do certain things and to keep certain things up. But, but the heart of it is this, is that we want to give it away. The more we get, the more we can give. That's our heart and that's our motivation. So, so this year for us, we'll invest close to $30,000 into missions, into our community, into our world this year. We've set aside almost $30,000 in our budget, close to thirty to do that. Right now, we have the privilege and honor to feed 35 kids every weekend in, in two schools right now. One school didn't have any, and so we're trying to reach out, trying to find some other schools. Try, I mean, we want to feed kids that go home hungry. Who would think in this community, in this area, that kids would go home hungry on the weekend? That they would come in on Monday and have seconds and thirds for breakfast? And, and so because of giving, because of finances, we are able to feed 35 kids. Let me, let me tell you about another opportunity that we have to partner with. Uh, there's this little ministry called PK Outreach where, where we get to partner with Patty Kelly who goes out into the community and loves on the unlovable, who takes care of and helps out women who've been abused, that has kids, that has nowhere to live, that's living on the streets. The places that she ventures into to love on and share the gospel with, we have the privilege and honor of serving her in that capacity and supporting her fellowship of Christian athletes. We get to partner with that ministry as we give monthly. Uh, where where it's, it's a team in this community, in this area, who invest in kids in our, in our schools, where they go in and preach the gospel, where they invest in coaches, invest in teachers. Man, why would we not want to be a part of that? Uh, not to mention Vision Productions out of Kingsport, Tennessee. He's a youth evangelist, Billy Wayne. He's been here a few times. We'll have him back in the future. Who, who preaches and proclaims the gospel, the good news to, to, to teenagers week in and week out. Uh, Mary, you're about that. I mean, I would say easily over a thousand kids come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior in a year. And not just out of Kingsport, but he travels as an evangelist. And we want to support that and be a part of that. Uh, not to mention release time here in our own backyard. It is a ministry just up the road where, where kids in uh, middle school gets uh, released, dismissed for one period uh, uh, on a Friday to go to a local church to hear the gospel proclaimed, to have Bible study, which last year there were over, I think I'm thinking eight, over 80 kids saved last year through that ministry. I mean, we want to be a part of that, not to mention the block parties, the community serves, those, those type of things that we get to be a part of and we can serve, uh, not to mention our blessing box out there, which gets filled up three times a week. Why? Because the hope in the heart is that there's feeding people that are hungry through the week. It's got need there. That's what we get to do with finances. I, I don't know if you remember back, I think it was January, February um, of, this, of this year uh, when we come in here and, and, and we had 50 bucks per family to give out. And we give families 50 bucks. And we said, hey, go, go pay it forward. Go be a blessing in our community. Go, go take that and just blow it on somebody. And do it with the intent and the purpose of trying to have gospel conversation. Trying to be a blessing. We, we did that. Uh, we did this. This was pretty cool this past Thursday. If, if you check, check out the screen, watch this. We, we had the privilege to be a part of this ministry this Thursday. So we got to partner with the BCM, the Baptist Collegiate Ministry, who gathered here, and we fed them. 
we had about 25 college students here. We fed them. We loved on them. We got to uh, baptize one who's been coming here for the last two, three weeks. And we got to love on them and share the gospel and talk with. And that cost money. Why? Because the building's open more. We fed them. We, we just, we tried to share and love and walk with. And, and Suzanne, not to mention the, the leader over that ministry here in this, this area, what she does. I mean, just an opportunity to just care for and walk with and support another ministry who's what investing back into. So, so that's our heart. That, that's where we're at when it pertains to giving, when it pertains to finances, when, whenever we talk about money. That, that's why. That's what we get to do, the privilege and honor. And, and what I'll say, and it'll always be like this as long as I'm here, is, is that our books are wide open. If anyone ever wants to see how we spend our money, how we designate, whatever we do with the money that's given here, man, man, we, we are an open book. There is nothing to hide in this place. But we want to live in a way that's going to honor God and it's going to bless this community and this world as it pertains to taking the gospel. So let, let, let's pray and then we're going to jump into James chapter 5. And just my, my hope and my heart is that will kind of soften the blow or kind of prepare our hearts for what he, what he has for us here in a few minutes. But, but join me as we pray. Father, we, again, we love you and we need you and we thank you. And Father, I just, I just pray, I pray this morning as we sit here and we get to hear your word fall on our heart, God, that, that we would have ears to hear what you would have to say. Father, that we'd be receptive to what your Holy Spirit does. I'm, God, my, my prayer is this, is that the thought isn't, oh, he's talking about money, I can check, I should have stayed home. Or I can just check out. Or I can check my feeds. Or I can, but, but that we would really hear what you have to say through your word. God, we need you, we thank you, we thank you for your word. We believe it's inspired. God, even as we look at what you have to say this morning, may it work us over in a way that draws us closer to you and helps us be complete and mature in all things. So let me pray, amen. All right, James 5.1, let's do this. James 5.1 says this, he says, come now, you rich. And I just wanna, I just wanna push you here, like I said, don't, don't check out when you hear rich here and, and think, oh, that, that's not me. I mean, I've, I've got 15 bucks to my name in my account. That, that can't, he's talking about somebody completely different here. That, that, that's, not, that's not what that means here. And, and, and uh, just a little side note, did you know that the average per capita income worldwide is $10,298? Worldwide average income. So if you make more than that, you are above uh, uh, the, the world average. Uh, the majority of those in the world and what their, their yearly income is. And the reality for us in this room is that we are about to, after this service, say amen, walk out of here and go have lunch. And as we eat lunch, we are about to feast in a way that only, that the majority of this world dreams about. I mean, even if you pull up at the McDonald's and get you a little double cheeseburger for 99 cents, I mean, I mean, I mean, that's a dream meal for people in this world in some places. And we are about to partake in that. So, so, so don't disconnect. Don't, don't disconnect from what he's saying here, we are very, very wealthy and don't realize it in many different ways. In many different ways. And so when he uses the word rich here, come now, you rich, it's those with more money than they need. More money than they need. That, that's what he's referring to. That's what he's talking to. Uh, this is what James is just sharing here with them, a real issue that over the next few verses he's going to unpack and go even deeper in. And so he's going to condemn them not for being wealthy. He's going to condemn them not for having money, not for having stuff. Hear me, God's not against you having money or having stuff. The, the problem is when your money or your stuff has you. You tracking? It's not the fact that you've got something. It's the fact that that something has got you. That's the issue. 
That's the issue. So, so, so my heart is, go make as much money as you can. Get as rich as you possibly can. Accrue as much as you possibly can if you do it in a way that honors God. And with what you get, you use it in a way that honors God and brings him the utmost glory. So go for it. Go for it. I mean, like I said, the problem that we're going to see here is that the stuff has them. The stuff has them. So what James is going to condemn them for is misusing their resources. Misusing their resources. I can remember, it's, it's been years ago, but I had the opportunity to sit down with a gentleman. He had kind of just moved to the area and uh, was going to the medical school here. And as he was going to the medical school, I um, uh, came here for, for a bit. And so I got to go have lunch with him one day and talk to him and just kind of get to know him. And um, we're talking, and it just intrigued me going to medical school. And so, I mean, I'm like, I'm, I'm like a kid in a candy shop. Like, I'm just like a little dog. I'm like, I've got all kinds of questions, you know. Like, my tail's just wagging. I'm just going at it, like just drilling him. Da, da, da. I said, so, so why, why medical field? Why, why, are you, why are you going into medicine? Why are you going into the medical field? And the dude looked at me and said, I want to make as much money as I possibly can. I want to get rich. I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I'm a preacher. I mean, how? I mean, dang, you know what I'm saying? I mean, he just went for it. Well, that, that's, that's awesome. Okay, um, let me get back to my mashed potatoes. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, where do you go after that? I mean, did you, just, did you just call the brother out right then? I mean, what, I mean, what do you do? He says, but, but I'll tell you, let me tell you why the rich thing. Why as much money as I possibly can make? I said, uh, please, because I'd love an invite to the yacht one day, if you don't mind. I mean, that's what I was thinking. And then God convicts, and he just does like he does. And he says, Scott, Scott the, reason, the reason I want to do that is because I want to make as much money as I possibly can so I can give away as much as I possibly can. He says, man, my heart is to get to the mission field. My heart is to go overseas. My heart is to care for the least of these. And I know that if I can get financially to a place where I can do that, man, God gets glory and honor and I can give away and I can serve in a way that, uh, uh, that brings him glory and him honor and points people to him. And I was like, dang, what a response. But man, he wants to make as much as he can. Why? So that he can serve the Lord with it. So that he can give in a way that brings honor and glory. So, so hear me. So, so what James is going to talk about, what he's going to say is, is not... Is not a call for Christians to, to, to have nothing and to be poor, though we uh, may very well be in the middle of God's will and be in that financial state. But that's not the desire and the heart of what he's talking about here this morning. If you want to talk about poor, this is the poor that we need to be. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount talks about the poor. Uh, Matthew uh, 5, 3, and this is how he talks about it. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's the poor we need to be spiritual poor. We need to come to the place where we understand our condition and our state and our great need for Jesus. And so when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, what Jesus is talking about is like, we're the little beggars and the bums on the side of the street that can do nothing on our own. In a spiritual case, in a spiritual sense, we've realized and we've come to that place where we've seen that, that I am completely and utterly helpless. Like, I'm not talking about the dude that's out there kind of like panhandling. He gets in like the, the F-150 with the jacked up tires and like the lights underneath. I'm not talking about that guy. No, I'm talking about somebody who's really, really has no means of survival outside of their self. No means. That's what Jesus says about the poor. That's the poor that we need to be. That's the place where we've got to be by. Because in that place is where, is where Jesus steps in and he rescues and he redeems and he saves. And whenever we turn from our self-sufficiency to Christ's sufficiency, that's where that takes place. That's where that happens. That's the poor that Jesus talks about. So back to finances. Look, look, at, look at what James says in verse 1 as we, as we finish out here. Verse 1, he says, Weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. 
The way that he writes this and pins this is, is loving and gracious. This is a warning. The miseries are coming. He's trying to warn them and tell them. He's trying to share with them what's, what's inevitable, what's coming. I mean, verse 1, look, look at that again. Verse 1 is, a, is an invitation. Come now, you who are rich. I mean, what an invitation that is. He, he, he's trying to get their attention. He's trying to share with them. And we struggle in our day when we're confronted and held accountable. We like to talk about accountability. I and mean, we like to confront if they're ones that get to confront. But man, when somebody calls us, when someone shares with us, then we get defensive, then we get uh, ready to fight, then we get like we want it until it's time to be held that way. But the thing that I've learned about accountability, the thing I've learned about being called out from most people, okay, from some people, is that it's loving and gracious, and it's because they care for me. And that's what we're going to see in James here. This is a call to come back. This is a call to, to check your heart. To, to, to check and see, man, where is your heart? And so he calls them back. The hope is to get their attention, to get our attention away that causes us to have a change of heart, to charge, that, that charges us to, to kind of look at where we're at. He sees where they're headed and he knows what happens down that road because he's going to continue to tell them. Look in verse 2. He says, your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded uh, and their corrosion will be evidence against you and you will eat your flesh like fire. See, what James is doing is he's pointing out that there is absolutely no benefit to hoarding up and keeping it all for yourself. That's what he's trying to tell them. He's telling them this access will be, be lost. It'll be rotted. It'll be corroded. There'll be fire. It'll be burnt away. And this is not a good outcome for, for selfishness, is it? I mean, this is not a good outcome for just hoarding and keeping and having all for yourself. I mean, why live like that? Why be like that? There are those that are in need in our world, in our community, probably in your neighborhood. Those that go without, those who have need. Like I said, we, we're filling up a blessing box three, three times a week. So if you're out and you think about it, grab some non-perishable so we can throw in there. I mean, what a privilege and honor to be able to, to serve our community that way, that there's kids that go hungry week in and week out. I mean, it just blows my mind. Why would we not give? Why would we not support? Why would we not be a part of that? So, so why? why? Why is James going this route? It's because of what he said earlier in, in chapter 4, pride. It's pride and arrogance. It's because of what he, he addressed there with that. I mean, we actually think that we've played a part in having and accruing. That's an arrogant heart. But I've worked so hard. But it's mine but what if I, I mean, that's what he's addressing. That's the issue here. We believe the lie that we think that we need to keep and have more and more and more and more. To have more and more and more and more. When is enough? What is enough? I mean, we live in a world that is constantly telling us that we need, that we deserve, that we should have, that we've accomplished, that we've worked hard. So we should get as much as we want. We should do as much as we want, live however we want to. I mean, do, do whatever we want. I mean, you deserve it. You've done it. I mean, I mean it's estimated that there are roughly six to 10,000 commercials that we're subjected to daily. Six to 10, not just all on TV. I mean, it could be social media. It could be billboards. It could be the very clothes that we wear. I mean, six to 10,000 commercials daily appealing to the desires of the flesh and the heart. They're to remind us how much we need a certain thing that we really don't need that we think we may need. I mean, I mean that's, that's what they do, is it not? They, they remind us of um, how much better our life would be. Uh, uh, babe, how's our refrigerator doing? 
Is it still running? Yeah. It good? Yeah. But it's three years old. Yeah. Well, will, it, will it check my email? No. Can I watch the TV on it? No. Will it let me know when our eggs get low? Do eggs get low? No. It's uh, what I thought. We're going down to Lowe's. What? I mean, they're going to give us 5% off. I mean, that is a great deal. What are we going to do with the other one? Put it out in the, the garage with our other five. If you have refrigeration in the garage, I'm, I'm not dogging you here. I'm just saying. We're going to put it out in the garage with our other five that we don't fill up four of. Great idea. Let's do it. I mean, I mean but is that, not, is that not what it is? Is that not what happens? I mean, constantly just, just, just playing at that need of we need more, we need more, we're never satisfied, we're never happy. I, I, I've got to have, I've got, my, my life needs to be so much easier, it'd be so much better if I just do, just do, just do, just do. It's a play on our fleshly desires. And that's what James is addressing. He goes on in verse 3 and says this, he says, you have laid up treasures in the last days. And this statement here is a very dangerous statement because what James is alluding to is this, is that he's pressing on them that they're living in a way as if they believe that Jesus isn't coming back. They're living in a way as if they believe that the here and the now is it. That this is the best it's going to be. And for you, the best it's going to be a refrigerator that talks to you from the kitchen to the living room or every once in a while I'll shoot you an email and says, hey, I miss you. Come open me. We're in a, we're in a devastating place. And we're in a horrific spot. And it's like that's the way they're living. That's where they're at. That's what's happening in there. It's like this is it. I've got to hold it. I've got to have it for my, my mind. I've got to live outside my means. I've got to do this. I've got to go run after that. I've got to uh, whatever. And, and the truth of the reality is, is, is that we're no different, are we? We're no different. I mean, we hoard, we indulge in a way where we put all of our faith in stuff, the here and now. We don't live like Jesus would want us to in that. I mean, we're, we're not generous in giving in a way to show that we understand that it's the Lord's. And he's allowed us, that he's allowed us to have and manage all that we've got. Uh, that's the way that we should view our finances. It's not mine. I mean, God has allowed me. God has blessed and given, whether it's a little or whether it's a lot. But I have the privilege and honor to manage and then listen to what their arrogance and their greed has led them to. Look at verse 4. It says, Behold, the wages of the laborers who, who uh, mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. And so they've cheated and they've stolen from the ones that they owe. That's where their deceitful heart, that's where their wicked heart as it pertains to stuff and more and more, that's where it's gotten them that they're, they're cheating and they're stealing from. And what James tells them here is that God hears the cries of those who have been mistreated. God hears the cries and he's aware of the ones that you've done wrong, the ones that you've cheated, the ones that you've, you've hurt. He's aware and there's going to be a day that you're going to answer for that. There's, there's a day of reckoning coming. That's what he tells them. And that your pride and your arrogance and your wrongdoing and your thievery, you'll stand before and you'll give an account. And, and that may not wig you out or freak you out, and if it doesn't, it's because you don't have a right view of who God is. You think he's just a little mushy genie in a bottle, fairy tinker dust everywhere, just, oh, just do what you want to do. I love you anyway. That's junk. 
And that's a false depiction and understanding of who God is. God is holy and just. And church, I know we get wigged out and we freak out about when we talk about his holiness and his, his just and his mighty and his, his righteousness, but it, uh, but it is in a right way. His holiness and his standard and his expectation, that's where our fear, that's where we fear him. In a way of awe and honor and respect. Knowing exactly who he is and what he is capable of. We don't, we don't live like that anymore in the church. We definitely don't live like that in the world. But we don't live like that as, as the men and women of God. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of him in a holy and righteous and good way, knowing that he has every right. I don't, I don't know where you land with that, but he has every right to do whatever he wants to do in your life at any time. I mean, do you, do you not remember where he rescued you from, what he rescued you from? I mean, you were sinful and wicked. Sinful and wicked. You were an enemy of his, even on your best nice day. That's the condition upon which he rescued and redeemed and saved you. And so he is holy and he is righteous. Man, and their ignorance and their greed and their arrogance has led him to a place that they didn't, never should be at. Verse 4 says this, he said, Behold the wages of the laborers um, who you mowed. He, he kept back and forth. He, he said all that and... Um, Shared that with them. This is what's coming. This, God knows. He's aware. That, that's, that's what's happening. And, and then look in verse 5. He says this. He says, you have uh, lived on the earth in luxury and self-indulgence. He's, I mean, you, you've, you've lived in a way to, where you've enjoyed all the earthly pleasures, all the earthly money you can buy. Uh, all the while, the eternal reality of your heart is in this condition. And you're in a very dangerous place. And so I just always want to press on us, especially in this case. I mean, don't live for the here and now. Don't, don't shortchange yourself that way. Don't live for the shiny and the glamorous and the, don't, oh man, please don't, 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 oh, don't shortchange yourself. Not that way. Hmm. Man, what God offers and what he has is so much better than that refrigerator that'll talk to you. Man, what God has is so much better than that new whatever, than that living that way or having that perspective or, or oh, don't rob yourself when so much more has been offered. So much more has been offered. And, and so when you land at the place that it's not yours to begin with, man, man, that this is a gift of God, that it's a blessing, and we've been given the privilege and honor to manage what God has allowed us to have, then to live open-handed is so much easier. Uh, when I understand it's not my car, when I understand it's not my house, when I understand it's not mine, but it's the Lord, and He's allowed, and He's given. And so what's the right good thing to do? Give it away. Live in a way that honors Him. Look at what He says in verse 5. He says, he says you have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. So, so the rich here in James, is, 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 he's correcting He's correct because they've indulged themselves to the limit. They've fattened themselves up. They, they've overdone. And it's just a vivid depiction of divine judgment. That's what it is. I mean, think, think of the, uh, the prodigal son. They fatted the, uh, the calf. Why? Bring the fatted calf. Why? Because we're going we're, we're gonna to kill and we're going to celebrate. I mean, so it's this, picture, uh, this depiction of divine judgment. And, and what he's doing is trying to warn you, hey, you're in a very dangerous place. Very dangerous place. He goes on in verse 6. He says, you've, you've condemned and you've murdered the righteous person. Uh, he does not resist you. So it goes from bad to worse. 
See, he's describing the next step in the simple progression of the heart in worshiping money and stuff. Just think about what he said. Hoarding leads to what? Fraud, which leads to self-indulgence. And now they're willing to do anything to sustain their lifestyles and get more and more and more and more and more. And so church, may this be a warning for us today. Uh, may what James is talking about be a warning. God has graciously allowed us to hear this message that flies in the face of everything that our heart longs for and runs to. That our culture pushes so, so hard that the world entices us with to live in a way that's counter that. To live in a way that honors God with our finances, with our giving, with our spending. So, so to close, what, what, what do we do now? How do we respond to this? What, 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 what needs to happen? I think the first thing is we need to check our heart. We need to check our heart. We need to ask God, okay, God, is there areas in my life? Is there places in my life where I can be more generous? Where I can live in a way that doesn't make sense to this world in my, with my finances, with my giving? God, what, what do I need to do? How? Do, how? And if he says, yeah, here, how about this place? Then you know what you do? You, you repent. You run to the cross. You repent and you do better. You repent and you do better. My hope and my prayer for us this week is, is this. Here at New Life, if you're, if you're visiting, I mean, my hope my prayer for your heart is this too. Is that, man, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit would do such a powerful work in us this morning that we would forever be changed as we look, in the way that we look at finances and use finances. That we would be so conformed to the image of Christ that it would reflect in our spending, our giving, our generosity to the point that we look like the early church. Let, let me read to you Acts 4. And just listen to this. The, the early, this is how the early church did it. One of the ways. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of land, houses, they sold them and they brought the proceeds to what uh, was sold. And they laid at the apostles' feet and they distributed to each as any had need. And they cared for each other and walked in that way. Yeah, but, but I know that guy. What if he... That guy's response to your generosity is not any of your control. Not any of your control. Yeah, but what if they... Uh, no, if God presses upon your heart, you, you live this way and you do this way. Th that's what you... Th this, is how, this is how the early church... This is how they viewed finances and need. And so as the band comes back up, man, imagine, imagine the impact we'd have in this world. If we live this way, if we viewed our stuff, not as our stuff, but as stuff that's on loan from God for the purpose of what? Bringing him glory and honor, for the purpose of reaching as many people as possible, for the purpose of having gospel conversation, for the purpose of inviting people in, for the purpose of giving away. Imagine what it would be like and what, what, what would happen in this community in our world. Imagine what would take place and what would, what would come from it. And, and I know, like, our mind always goes there, ah, but I just, I, I just don't have that much to give. You got something. 
as I said today, we're about to leave this place and we're going to go feast at lunch. We, you may not think it's a feast, but, but many in this world would, would give everything they had to have a, a meal like that. And so what if we cut out that $5 value? Is it, value meals aren't even $5 anymore, are they? It's more like 8 bucks, 10 bucks. Ugh. What, what if we cut out one of those? See, you, what happens is we look at 10 bucks, we're like, ah, oh, that can't really do much. And you're right, it can't in our hands. But in the hands of God, you know what $10 can do? Well, it can multiply. And that's the crazy thing about God's math. He, he doesn't do math like we do math. Much, much different. Much different the way that he does it. I mean, $10 in his hand. You can't afford 10 five. You can't afford five? Two. The numbers are relevant. At the end of the day, the heart of it, the numbers are relevant. I believe it's more about an obedience thing than it is a number thing. That's what it's about. Am I living in a way that I make life all about me or am I living in a way that I make life all about the Lord? That's the question we've got to ask. And so my prayer, my hope, and, and, and I, I, this week as I've read this and I looked at this and I dreaded this and I got excited about it and everything in between, I was like, dang, God, just... I'd much rather talk about something else. And then I look at my life, okay, there, there's plenty of areas that I can be more generous. There's plenty of areas that I can give a little bit more, I can sacrifice a little bit more. The amount of money that, we, that I waste. So, so I don't know what God stirred in your heart. I don't know what he said to you or what he's spoken to you. My hope and my prayers is, is that you did not hear this morning that we want your money. My hope and my prayer this morning is what you've heard is that we want your heart and we want you. And you know what? Maybe your money comes later. Whatever. I don't know. God will convict and draw and he'll tell you what to do with what you've got. You, you don't need me to do that. I'm just going to preach what the Word says and I'm going to let the Holy Spirit figure it out between you and Him. And if we can serve anyway and help you there, we, we'd love to. But, uh, but I, I, don't, I don't want to try to do anything. I want to let the Holy Spirit and God work. Because whenever I try to, or I've kind of got a landing place, or i kind of got things figured out, so I think it's to, man, I'll get here, let's go here, let's do Oh, that, that ends badly. Man, but when God has room to move... And he accomplishes a work. It's much, much greater than what God does. And so I don't know what God stirred on your heart or what he's pressed upon you. But I'd be willing to bet that there's probably every one of us in this room could live in a way that's more generous. Could live in a way that would honor God just a little bit more. And so I thought a good way to close this morning would be this, by taking communion. Because what communion does is it reminds us to whom we belong. And it reminds us of what he's done for us. And it reminds us of why we have what we've got. Because on a cross, over 2,000 years ago, the God of the universe puts on flesh and blood. And he goes to it and he dies on that cross for our sin. 
And I don't know, I know we live in a world that likes to categorize or look at certain sin as worse as other sin and, and different things like that. But, but the sin of, of hoarding or the sin of uh, uh, being stingy or the sin of, uh, um, um, of, of not sharing or not giving or not, uh, that is just as bad as the most heinous sin that you can think of. Because if the only thing that we were guilty of is not being generous, Jesus would still have to die on the cross. And so what communion does is it reminds us of that, of his love and his grace and his mercy. And so we're going we're gonna to come to the table because just as we see here at the very beginning of James chapter 5, come now. Come now. It's an invitation. And, and that's what communion is. Come Man, your sin and your shame and your ugliness and your, 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 your whatever it may be that you struggle with this morning, however you limped into this place this morning, he says, come. I mean, I want that. I mean, I, mean I, I, I want you, all of you, I don't want you to go get better first. I don't want you to try to figure it out. I don't want you to try to fix it. It's like, I, I, let's, let's go right now. Come to me. Let me fix. Let me do. And then you know what happens? When you get around Jesus and you spend time with him and in his word and, and with him, you, you start to be more like him. And you start to see your money not as your money. You start to see your stuff is not your stuff. You start to see it as his stuff. And so when he asks for it, it's easier to give. No strings attached. So that's what communion is going to do for us this morning. But before we get there, this, this is what I want to encourage you with. I want to read to you what the Apostle Paul uh, says to the church at Corinth in chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians. He says this in verse 20. He says, let a person examine himself then as to so eat the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning, the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. He says, that's why so many of you are sick, weak, ill, and have even died. But if we judge ourselves Truly, we would not be judged. But when we're judged by the Lord, we're what? Disciplined. So that we may not be condemned along with the world. So before we take communion, I just want to have a time of just looking inward. I want to have a time of prayer. I want to have a time to allow you to let the Holy Spirit do what he does. Convict, encourage, draw. And you know what, maybe, not, maybe it's not the sin this morning of selfishness or the sin of, of hoarding or the sin of financial struggle. Maybe it's something completely different than that. And that falls in there. So as the band leads us in a moment of worship, a time of, of reflection, if you want to come pray, if you want to search your heart, if you want to ask God, okay, what's in there that needs to, that needs to be repented of, that needs to be, uh, God, I need you to take, I want to turn from, then you by all means do that. If you want to sit quietly there, if you want to stand and sing, however you want to respond. If you need to go to one of the places, we've got communion in the back. We've got it down here at the table. If you need to go get the elements before we partake after the song, you do what God leads you to do. But man, may we examine ourselves. Father, we need you, Jesus. We love you. I ask God you move, make your presence known in this place. I know not a fun message, not a fun talk, but it's one that we need. It's one that I needed to hear this week. And so God, I just pray, I pray for us that we would be known as men and women who live in a way to honor you with everything that we've got. Everything, absolutely everything. And that we would view it not as ours, but as yours. Father, help us make an impact in this kingdom, in this world. And we pray, amen. You stand.